Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to the Color Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and uh, magical and. realism written uh, yes and written by writers <laughs> from colorful backgrounds. Yes. So y'all know the drill. Today we will be discussing the second half of Small Beauty. But come on. But Marcy, before we get yeah, into yes. that. Mm-hmm. Something very exciting has <laughs> happened. Oh, God. <laughs> Wait, um, what's up? The exciting thing that happened is I have a question. Look at God. Tell me the goddamn question. Uh, so, because in this book, May has a propensity for talking to the undead. But not like the, <laughs> the creepy undead. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> that was supposed to be a zombie voice. Um, no one was terrified. <laughs> Everyone was offended. Um, so, Yikes. <laughs> but because May has has been talking to the undead, um, I it made me think, mm-hmm. what if you had the chance to talk to a dead relative? Um, who Ooh. would you talk to? Why would you talk to them? Mm-hmm. And what would you talk to them about? It can also be more than oh. one. You know, you can do what you want. Oh, my God. I, wow. Whew. Okay. I love this. One, I love this question. Um, so that response is not from me being not interested in answering it. I'm just like, wow, like, <laughs> holy shit. Where do I even begin? Um, so hearing this question, so one specific person comes to mind. Um, and mm. it's a bit of a personal story, but, you know, we all rant here on the Color Pages book club. <laughs> um, so, like... So basically, um, this kind of actually, I guess, actually kind of is a continuation of some of the thoughts that I brought up last week around, um, you know, how May found out that her aunt Bernadette was gay and like she didn't realize that queerness was a thing. And I kind of briefly brought up how I sort of have a similar, I sort of experienced something similar when I realized that one of my great aunts was gay, like Mm -hmm. super late in life. And funny enough, actually, so around the time this was maybe I was, how old was I? This was maybe honestly maybe like two years ago, so like pretty recent. Um, I was talking to my mom um, back home in Atlanta because if you don't know, I'm from ATL, baby. <laughs> but um, yes. Yeah, so, 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 oh my god. Um, I feel so like it's I, you and people from, like Atlanta kids and Brooklyn kids all just need to just when their city is mentioned, they're like ah. <laughs> You're like, what just happened? Like, did, what just happened? Bro, like. like Atlanta can come up in the most irrelevant situation. I'm like, ATL! And it's like, oh my God. Like, what? Oh my, what is happening? Like, shit. You know, like, the pride is wild. Um, But anyway, uh, and funny enough, I was actually in Atlanta for pride. Um, And so I was talking to my mom, and um, we were just kind of having a conversation, and she told me about how I used to... So, um, we were talking about, like, sexuality, because, you know, it was this is a whole thing about, like, my family backstory, which I'm sure we'll get into gradually through time. But we were talking about sexuality, and my mom was basically talking about how um, she actually, growing up, used to have a cousin who, who was gay. Because at this point, like, I didn't really know, aside from my great... I don't even know, know if I knew at this point about my great aunt, but, like, basically, like, she was like, yeah, like, I actually had a great... Um, I had a cousin growing up that was gay, and, you know, he and I were, like, super-duper close. So, like, my mom, she grew up in New York... And so the two of them would, like, always play together, and, like, they would, like, play with dolls and shit, and, like, it was, like, they were just, like, BFFs, like, super-duper tight. And she was telling me that, like, as they got older, they kind of just, like, 
I think just like not necessarily thought of touch, but just didn't really communicate as often. Like I think mm. he like moved at one point, and so like they didn't really talk as as consistently. Um, and then one day she um, like realized that he had actually died. Um, or no, actually no, that's not true. That rewinding. So <laughs> she actually one day realized that he was he was really really sick. Um, and so when she went to go visit him, she you know went with a few other family members, and she realized that it was it was around it was like the late. I guess it was like early nineties at this point. Mm. Um, and she was saying that like, you know, it was very clear just from like, kind of like his illness and sort of like the symptoms and everything that he had AIDS. Um, and he had, he died like shortly after that. And like during the funeral, it was like this really weird thing where like, you know, they like my whole, like a lot of family members were there, but like no one, like no one talked about it. Like no mm. one talked about the fact that he had died of AIDS. Like no one talked about the fact that he was gay. Like, no, it's like, it was this thing that like was known, but no one really like openly expressed or like brought sort of meaning to with words. Um, and she was saying that it was actually really interesting because around the time that he died, she was actually pregnant with, um, with me and my twin brother. And, um, she was just like, yeah, like it's like, it's some, like, she's like, yeah, it's funny. Cause like sometimes like, you know, you do certain things, you like have certain mannerisms or whatever that just remind me of him. Aww. Um, and so I don't know. It's just like, it's, it's an interesting coincidence that like his death kind of coincided with my pregnancy and in a lot of ways, I kind of see some of his essence in, in you. Obviously, not entirely, but, you know, you do you do remind me of him in a lot of ways. And I was just like, wow, that's... Moving. I... Wow, oh, my God. And this is like a whole... like in So, obviously, I had to, like, keep my shit together. Because I was like, you really going to have me just bawling right. in this motherfucking car? Like, goddamn. Aww. But I it was interesting because um, I feel like sometimes, like, I... This happens a lot with music. Um, like I'll like listen to certain songs from like a certain, you know, like kind yeah. of like that period of like, you know, the 80s, 70s, whatever. And dead ass, like royalty, not even on some dramatic shit. I feel like I like those songs bring back memories of a time that I wasn't personally alive for. Like I like mm. often am just like I I feel like these songs bring it's like there's like a spiritual connection here that I can't quite under like that I can't quite Place put my finger on because mm-hmm. right it's like it's like this song resonates a lot even though like they're like in my own personal life you know maybe i heard the song more recently or like whatever i just like it's just certain like like that whole era of like 70s 80s music like i just feel like it just brings back memories of yeah like just things i haven't really lived through and so sometimes i'm just like what if it's like you know like uh i don't know almost like a projection of memories from like this mm. uncle who died around the time that I, you know, that was like obviously, you know, still in development <laughs> as like a person. And so I don't know, that's just sometimes kind of like goes through my mind. And I think for me, if I got the chance to talk to him, I would, I would love to just like learn more ab- about him. I feel like there's such a queer erasure in my own family that I just mm. find so upsetting. And I'm just like, I don't know, I feel like for the longest time growing up, I felt like I was literally the only queer person in my family. And like, and when it comes to like gender expression, like I felt just very alone in that. And like, I would love to just talk to him about like kind of how he came to sort of like exist. Like, and also I would love to just like, I mean, just like, just hear the shit about his life. Like I would love to hear about like, you know, like he was like living in New York and this like, you know, obviously a very tragic time, but also like a time where there was a lot of like sexual exploration and like, you know, LGBTQ issues were becoming more like, it was like things were brewing and like there was more like visible community. Like I would love to just hear about how, like his life was like, you know, who his best friends were, like what music he listened to, like just like how he spent his time. I would just love to like just hear about him because I feel like the only time I really heard about his life was like just sort of through the lens of this tragic 
comparison that my mom made. And then after that, she didn't really go into much detail, even though I asked her a lot of questions. Like, I, And I think it's just because mm-hmm. the two of them, as they got older, um, especially in adulthood, it was like society and heteronormativity and like, you know, aging and adulthood, especially at that time. Like, I think all of those things and like kind of shortcomings in my own and my mom's own sort of, you know, I guess ability to foster a relationship with like a mm-hmm. queer family member. I think those that did kind of create a barrier in sort of her knowledge of him. And so I would just love to just hear about who he was as a person and like just talk about his experience and just sort of see where, you know, our past like kind of converge in terms of interest and stuff, but also like where they diverge as well. And yeah, just hear about like maybe if there are other members of my family who kind of had a similar experience or just like other. uh, Yeah, I would just love to hear about just everything. Like just like just in. Oh, God, (laughs) I don't know. It's just like. There, there are a lot of things I would like to talk about, but I think the the base of it is just like just hearing about who he was as a person, both including sort of his like like the tragic end to his life, but also sort of like the joy and like yeah. how he how he lived and how he like created like found love and you know just manifested things that were good and stuff like that. So yeah. I would I would talk to him I think because um, it would just be it'd be very timely and and really really helpful I think in mm. in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, what about you? Uh, that story is so beautiful. I hope that you get a ghost, but not like a not like a creepy ghost, like a, a ghost right. experience. <laughs> you gotta qualify that stuff. <laughs> no, like no, it's so real. Like I'm like I like kind ghosts are cool. Like I like a, a right. nice spirit, great. But like, yeah, it's like when, when motherfuckers haunting you, I'm like, bitch, do I wanna be haunted? Like right. shit. <laughs> like I'm already haunted by capitalism. Right. Goddamn. So yeah, anyway. <laughs> But but what about you, Arco? Um, for me, I I think I would want to talk to my grandparents. Um, like my grandfather, my my grandfather, my father's side died before I was even born. Um, my grandmother died mm-hmm. when I was in high school. And my grandfather on my mother's side di- died when I was in high school too. And you know, when you're in America, mm-hmm. um, and you're an immigrant, and your grandparents live overseas, um, I think you don't get what other people get um in in terms of connection and and in terms of learning who they mm. were and and who they are and kind of similarly mm-hmm. like sometimes things will happen and i will truly feel like my lineage be like i don't know why anyone thinks they can talk to you this way like my lineage mm. literally wells up within me and it's just like I don't know where this foreign land is. I don't know who these people are. And I don't know why there's white <laughs> stuff coming out of the sky here. This is clearly a very odd place. And the people are very odd right. if they're being so disrespectful. And I'm like, I don't know where this energy is coming from. Because in the way that America has hated me for my identity, I, I don't think mm. it has cultivated that in me. So I don't, I'm like, where is this coming from? And it feels like a lineage and it feels like their strength. Mm. And, I, and I just want to know about them. I want to know... I want to know, like, I want to know what their lives were like and, and how it changed. I mean, my, my grandma, my father's side lived to be a hundred and like 16 years old. Like she saw the turn of oh. two centuries. I know. What? Right. And like, it's just all this stuff like about, you know, uh, isn't what the record books say. And it could tell you how things were mm-hmm. and how the things actually changed or deteriorated or didn't deteriorate. And mm-hmm. then just tell them, I just want to know, I want to know who, about me through their lens and Mm. it would be cool i mean yeah so i think i would like to and then my like my grandfather and my dad's side was that's a whole trip and then my grandfather my mom's side was like this dope person it was just super cool and i did i knew him as my grandfather when we went to visit 
and he was so regal and so mm. he just was yeah he was really regal and i i didn't know him any more than like being a little baby <laughs> like you know what I mean? oh. <laughs> and, yeah um, but i wish i had like i wish i could have like sat there and and like known him and talked to him um mm. so yeah that's i like i really love I just I just love everything you just said. I like I love the way you frame like just there will be times where like ancestral energy would just be like, but actually you got me <laughs> fucked up. Like actually right. like this is not that. Like I love like I love that stream of like continuity that like, you know, obviously in a lot of ways we are like our current essence is sort of a continuation of these various people that, you know, both some of whom we knew and others we didn't. Most yeah. of whom we didn't, honestly. And so right. I don't know, like just like that idea of like that not really being lost just because generations continue and people pass on and things like that. Like, I love that. Like, like it's like, it, it makes the world feel a lot more familiar. In some ways a lot less lonely, but yeah. also, yeah, just like, it's like a much more, cause I feel like, especially, you know, being in the U S it's like such a individualistic culture of like self-reliance and whatever, whatever. But it's just, it's nice to have that image of like, Oh wait, but there are actually people who are like watching over me and like, making sure that I'm good, even though right. I can't, I may not be able to see them in the same way that I can see other people, but it doesn't make their existence or their presence any less significant. Right. And so it, I love that. Oh, thanks. And I, I was like, I was, I remember I was writing something to like my kin and I was thinking like generations deep, like way away from now. And I wouldn't want that person to feel like they were alone. You know what I mean? I wouldn't want them mm. to have to relearn everything I learned. Like I would want them to right. be able to draw from my strength. And I wouldn't want them to mm. be able to yeah, that continuation to be there. Not just not just and some I remember I was writing, I was like sometimes I go places and I feel like when I see something, I'm not just seeing it for me. Like I'm seeing it and May talks about this in the book too. Like I feel like I'm seeing it for more than just me. And and I can't I was like melancholy because mm. I was like, there's so much I'm not going to get to see. And I was like, well, you know, like the next person can see that and I can see it through mm. them and, and they can carry on and live. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's something. <laughs> Maybe it's just the light in the darkness kind of thing, but it's something. Mm -hmm. Wow. I I just... <laughs> I, I like literally don't even have words to to respond to that. Like that is so. I'm just gonna like sit in my emotions for a second. Like that is like so beautiful. Like oh my god, I'm gonna literally go and just journal <laughs> for like hours after this. <laughs> Holy shit! No, that's so. I like love. I love that. Of like you know, there will be plenty of things that we won't be able to see, but like we'll we'll get that chance. You know. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. Um damn oh my god i'm like gonna cry like holy shit okay well the Boy, great no, thing um, is that we can take a break and when we yes we back, can <laughs> we will talk about our predictions and the summary yes we shall oh my god see y'all super soon Um, so after weeping, we are now back <laughs> to discuss the second part of Small Beauty. Before getting to all the nitty and gritty, um, we were going to go through our predictions from the last episode and kind of see where we landed. So 
to start, for me, I definitely thought that, um, you know, obviously we were going to find out how Sandy died specifically because I was like, the way this book is set up, I just feel like that is the only way that that is just mm. logical that that would happen. Um, I will say that that happened a lot later than I expected, but, you know, True. we did find out, which we'll obviously get into. And I thought that it was going to be because of him. It would, be, it would basically be sort of like a result of him trying to protect May in some way, um, which... Um, no (laughs) he was like not really um yeah so that wasn't really a thing um i did think that nina was gonna like low-key surprise everybody and recognize may for who she was like truly Mm. um and that kind of like kind of happened it's like kind of up for debate but like We'll get into it. So I would say that's like a like a like a like a like a point five. Like it's there like, we go. like <laughs> that you have right. Um then I was thinking that, you know, obviously Diane was gonna apologize for being fucking heinous, which <laughs> she did. And then lastly, um, that May will basically start a new life elsewhere and in doing so would be accompanied by the ancestors. The ancestor part, true. The new life part, I was thinking was more of a geographical shift, but in the end, it ended up being a bit more of a, I guess, like a personal one. Yeah, um, like a st- yeah. change in the state of mind. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, so like, honestly, like, smooth, like, 75, seven, eight. eight out of ten. Right, yeah. like, you know, like like a bitch pass. Like, I got, like, <laughs> I this is a passing score. So, what about you, Akko? Um, let's see. Well, I, I thought that the ghost would play a larger part in the story, which I mean, to be fair, is kind of a, that's like an easy guess. Like it's, there's a ghost at the beginning. <laughs> the ghosts aren't gonna... So, but I mean, to be fair, I thought they would play a larger role and I honestly thought it would just be nine eye. So for other people to come in, I was like, Oh, um, oh, nice to see you. So that was different. Cute. Um, and then I thought that May would resolve her feelings about Sandy's death and what it means. And yeah, I think she kind of did. I mean, she comes to some kind of, like, the type of resolution you can about people dying. So I'm going to give myself, like, a a 90, you know, give them a A (laughs) May, you fuck it up. (laughs) 4-0 in this mother. Right? There we go. (laughs) Um, But... (laughs) Can you imagine remember when GPAs mattered? Remember when that was super important? To anyway, so remember like when I cared about grades? Like right. what the fuck? Like I literally like knew my GPA. Like ew. Like what? <laughs> Stay like, in school, kids. Oh my god. Do learn, but yeah, please do learn, kids. girl. But right. you know, you get to a point where you're like, wow, e gad. And also, yes. I'm talking like I'm done with school. Like I'm definitely probably going to get a master's at some point, but- and then. Oh, I'll have to. But that's different, though. Like I feel like graduate school. That's not like if you're that worried about grades in graduate school, you need to to stop because you're you need to live your life a little more. Oh well. Anyway. Oh wow. Maybe that's Ooh, uh, just right. okay. Just read literally everyone to fill but <laughs> okay, continuing. <laughs> grades are not that important when you're like over the age of twenty five, in my opinion, right? Like I no, just that's that's actual real tea. Yeah. But anyway, so get to the summary before like the graduate students come out with pitchforks, <laughs> take me out. Um, so this right. <laughs> So the second, and that's to say you can't go to graduate. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have no issue. <laughs> we we really, <laughs> we really try to like cover our asses. It's like, it's like I'm sure no one's Graduate offended. school is fine. I went to graduate school, everyone. It's fine. Okay. The second half of the story. <laughs> what the fuck? Let's begin. So, 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 so. In the second mm-hmm. half of this book, we start with Sandy's perspective. And we learn about what happened the day that he came back to the apartment all bloody. And, of course, as we guessed, as we guessed, yes. although it wasn't the mm-hmm. prediction center section, but probably because we knew already, he right. found out who attacked May. And it is heavily, 
and artfully implied that he beats someone up who we're not 100% sure who did it and who he beat up, but someone was beat up by Sandy because it, of what happened. It was it was like a 100% chance that it definitely was not the person that attacked May because May hit do on the, I think it was like on the knees or something. Mm. And basically it was like, wasn't it like Sandy went to the park and like befriended these two random motherfuckers on like a bench yep. and they were like shooting the shit and chatting and they were like, Oh, and like he was like, oh, like I'm like looking for someone that like attacked this woman, and then like this random guy started walking down the like the aisle, not the aisle, what the fuck is that? Sidewalk. Um, yeah. And then like, <laughs> yeah, basically like I think the guy had like a broken shoulder mm-hmm. or like a dislocated shoulder and like broken fingers. Yep. And then Sandy like whooped that ass. So basically, it was a random, but um, yeah. we just going, we just gonna keep going. Yeah. Yeah, that that happened. So then after that, we get a, a series, a series. Violence is bad, y'all. Like this is why you shouldn't be violent. So we get a series of flashbacks, and we see Sandy's life and somewhat in order, sort of somewhat out of order. So the first flashback sequence we get is with Sandy and his mother Bernadette, who has recently found out that she's dying. And Sandy's like, "Okay, so I've been listening to the public radio station, and they say that you know, like." these diseases are hereditary and you're like uh, you know npr really be just putting people on to stuff which is good but also like you know like when someone True. like reads sees a documentary or something and they're like i heard that like whales give you cancer and you're like okay. <laughs> 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 that's what it sounded like but he's right you know so that's that is correct right, so he's right, like, right. can you can you tell me a little bit more about my history about my background and but it's like okay well your biological father is actually a gay man who moved to vancouver and it was more like a sperm donor situation like he had no obligations to stay around we didn't really expect him to and apparently bernadette Mm -hmm. really likes science experiments so she like explains it like a science experiment which i was like right i mean i don't know okay and sandy's like i mean Uh fine (laughs) and then she's like and your grandparents were fleeing the country so um you know just like excuse them for like not taking all of their medical records and putting it in a case and bring it with them and then sandy's like i mean i feel like that's an unnecessary read but here we are and so (laughs) then 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 diane and then she's like diane so your mother and she loves you even though you two are estranged estranged and sandy's like i mean ma like that wasn't the question but i don't want to talk about that and so the next flashback (laughs) shows diane showing up to take some stuff from sandy's house after bernadette has died and passed away which i was like "Ooh, diane you need to call next time because that's some mood so yeah so sandy rolls up and he's like you did not see us in for the amount of time bernadette was dying and i'm like oh ah diane i don't diane kind of burned a little bit god damn (laughs) kind of cut and like damn and so she's like trying to explain. She's like, I'm your mother, I love you, and you don't understand. And I and this is my house too. Like we were a family. And then Sandy's like, give me back the keys to the house. You can take all the recordings because it's like the '90s, so they have like recordings of um of telephone like messages, telephone messages. And he's like, you mm-hmm. can take the telephone messages of all the times my mom called you and you did not answer and come home. And then he's like, oh, by the way, you see that key that you know it looks new and fresh, even though it's you've had it for like. 15 odd years yeah that shows how often you Mm -hmm. weren't home and you're like oh my god sandy is going 
in. And you're just like, Went okay. in. Uh, like, so, shit. Yeah, you're like, this is rough. And so, oh, to be fair, like, the thing she says that I think really pisses him off is that she's like, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm really, like, proud of you. I really admire you. Like, there's so many things you could have learned from me not being in your life, but you learned to treasure the people you love. And, and Sandy was like, nah, <laughs> what? Like, that's messed up. Like, you can't leave and right. then award yourself for leaving. Like, and you're like, I feel right. that's like that's unfair. <laughs> and so then we get another flashback where Sandy's like 16 and he started working as a landscaper, but not like higher up. He's kind of working for the landscaping construction company and like the engineer is above them. So there's an engineer who like hires, I guess, like independent contractors and Sandy works for one of them. Mm -hmm. He's like 16 okay. years old and he's like in the kitchen getting coffee and it's kind of like implied that he has to work to support the family and everything and like things are kind of hard because it's just him and Bernadette. Mm -hmm. And as he's like sipping coffee, <laughs> Diane walks into the kitchen and she's like, are you old enough to be drinking that? And he's like, I literally do not know her. And she's like, I'm your mother. <laughs> And, and she's like, I'm your mother. And he's like, what the fuck? I, you could, you could be the person who delivered this coffee. I do not know. And so that's <laughs> like, but I love her and she's your mother and she should stay. And Sandy is like, okay, mom's happy. That's fine. But then Diane right. leaves because of reasons. And it starts a pattern of her coming back and then <sighs> leaving again and coming back and leaving again. And Sandy is like a thousand percent done. So he's basically like, look, y'all can do what you want, but I don't feel the need to be involved. Um, right. So after that, there's like this subplot where there's like flowers in the fountain irrigation <laughs> system, and he's like trying to re do some construction on it, but the goose, the geese keep eating the flowers, and it's like a whole mess. And the engineer who's above them comes down and is like, "How come you guys can't get this fixed?" And they're literally like, "The geese keep eating the flowers," and the engineer's like, "I'm gonna find someone who can do this." And I'm saying, "You're reading," and I'm like. How are you going to find some, are you going to kill all the geese? Like, what What are you talking about? Right. So anyway, so <laughs> Sandy's boss is like, I don't know, you probably, we probably all don't have a job anymore, so you should probably go. So then Sandy gets a Fair. job working on the railroad, and then his co-workers are like, how would your ancestors feel about that? And for people who don't know, there was a lot of like, inscripted oh Chinese laborers on the railroads in America and in the mid in 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 um, North America in general. So he was making a racist joke. He's being a jerk. So Sandy breaks his nose um, and gets fired. Fair. And you're like, uh, <laughs> yikes. Um, so then the <laughs> then the perspective changes to Bernadette, and we learn that initially Diane and Bernadette had planned to like raise their son together in the forest, and it wasn't quite hipster yet because it was the 90s. But like you know, everyone was going right. to be wearing flannel. It was going to be great. Um, but then we find out that Miranda actually was like struggling with her her mother with Nai Nai and and her sister's lack of approval and not wanting to be out and it was it was hard for her and so Diane dips and Bernadette has to raise Sandy alone so mm -hmm. then it flashes back to this story where Sandy was like young a young kid like not that old and it's thunderstorming outside and Bernadette's like trying to make a quilt. Um, but Sandy's really sick right now and she doesn't want to tell her mother because she's afraid that Nai Nai will think she's a bad mother and like just like criticize her a lot for being a bad parent. 
But then suddenly, Mm -hmm. like while she's knitting, there's a crash upstairs and she runs upstairs and there's a literal goose has flown through the window. And it's Mm -hmm. wild because Sandy like hugs the goose. And I'm not Mm -hmm. 100% sure what's happening here. But that is what the story, I read it twice. I like flipped back and I flipped over and I was like, okay, I I feel like there was a thunderstorm and now there's a goose. I'm just going to check twice. It was there. So then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, Nainai is like, like the lightning crashes and like Nainai is standing in the room like, like she like just appeared out of nowhere and then like, like literally came out of the closet and it was like what the fuck like how long have you been there Brenda was like nine eye and nine eye was like why did you not tell me the boy was sick uh, she didn't say it like that you know but like it was very <laughs> ominous sounding and um Nine-Nine, and, and then Bernadette was like, I um um, and then Nine Nine was like, he would if I if if I had known, I could have cured him, and he wouldn't have to carry this big debt around with him. And literally, everyone's like, Nine Nine, what? And Nine Nine's like, I will now like glide out of the room back to my <laughs> <laughs> living space. And you're like, okay, yeah. So that happened. So <laughs> jumping in. So basically, after Nine Nine disappeared into the mist, <laughs> um, Sandy's basically just like. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Kind of wish you told me that earlier. And then Bernadette was just like, "Well, I mean, I mean, I don't, like what, like, like, like Sandy, like, when would I brought this? Like, when, right. like, when would life have really facilitated me bringing this up? Like, that's such <laughs> a weird." And Sandy's like, "I mean, I guess you're right, but like, I don't know. It, like, it's kind of interesting." But Bernadette was like, "But again, I mean, I, I don't know." It like, mm. anyway, so it was like this weird, <laughs> awkward exchange. Um, also, just really random as fuck. But I just want to circle back real quick. I just love like this is a personal observation. I love whenever Akko describes anything as like a subplot. It's like the funniest shit in the planet. Like she's like, "Oh yeah," and then there was like the subplot where there was like this like <laughs> lake, and there was like flowers and geese eating the flowers or whatever the fuck. And I just, I just, I just think the word subplot is so fucking funny and shady. I, I, I really am gonna just incorporate it into my everyday. Like but that is neither here nor there moving on um yeah so basically so the interesting thing about diane and bernadette is that the way this flashbacks were set out it just made diane look fucking terrible yeah. like it was just like oh my oh yikes but then you kind of get some more yeah. um like like i guess flashbacks from her perspective and it it, it complicates things a bit mm. more um so basically what we come to find out is that when Diane and Bernadette, like you know, were dating. Um, though they both agreed, you know, to have this child, and you know, they had this friend that kind of served as like a sperm donor. Like Nai Nai was just very, honestly, abusive and mm. like super homophobic, and just like really just like went in on Bernadette about all the things. And for Diane, it was just like very hard for her to witness this like she was like mm. why are you and the thing is like there was also like just a clash of like cultures like diane couldn't really understand why bernadette was sitting here and like taking all of this like right. from nine when it was and like she was like you know you're taking care of her she like lives in her house like why are you even doing all this like she clearly like hates you like it was like diane just didn't get it and then bernadette was like well you just don't understand like i can't just like leave nine like that's not an option and diane is like can we make it a motherfucking option because this shit ain't mm. sustainable like this is not we can't have a life together yep. raising a child if like we're dealing with this influence from not only nine but to also a lesser extent um june which is you know obviously her sister and so diane just didn't really know how to really navigate all of this and then there was actually an interesting point where basically the two of them were actually going to move in together like you know diane was like okay look you can like move in with me it can be lit da, da, da. and bernadette's like bet but then the day of when it was like supposed to happen like you know diane goes over to the house and then like nine eyes outside and was basically like oh like you know she's not gonna move with you like she's like you know working at the restaurant like you know she doesn't like she's like she's not gonna do this shit with you like you this is ridiculous and then 
Diane's like, oh my god, what the fuck? So she like goes to the restaurant, and sure enough, like Bernadette's there, like working, yep. and it's just kind of like, oh yikes. And so it kind of to Diane just seemed like she's choosing her family over her in a way that, like, I think also just when you look at like, you know, queer movements and things like that, it's just like there's. Like, there's often this narrative of people having to choose between, you know, their family and, like, yeah. significant other or, like, you know, all these different things. And so I think for Diane, it was just, like, I can't live a life with someone who's, like, willing to allow this kind of influence mm. in our lives. So she just kind of left. And and, and granted, when Nine Nine died, she did try to come back and, you know, restart things with Bernadette. But, like, I don't know. It was just, like, too much had, had like, changed at that point And, like... You know, she was still like Bernadette was still kind of weird about sexuality with June. It was just, it was still, it was still just like a lot going on. And so, like Diane just was like, "I can't, I, 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 I just can't do this." Right. So she leaves. Yeah. Um, and so basically, at this point, you kind of find out that Diane's actually. I mean, it's not like again, like she's not like she like joyfully was like, "Yo, fuck y'all," like I'm out. Like she was just like actually, she was actually really depressed and sad about all of this and didn't really know how to navigate a lot of it and so she would spend a lot of time at this bar and she met someone named nelson and nelson was just this guy who was like otherwise like i mean personality wise was like fairly quiet not a super like you know (laughs) like honestly relevant person no shade but what made (laughs) nelson sort of i guess interesting in diane's narrative was that like you know diane would go to this bar and diane from what we can presume here is like more masculine presenting and so at the bar people would kind of like give her weird looks and like she kind of didn't really stand out in the space um but nelson was someone who always like talked to her who always like you know saw how she was doing and you know all of that and then one day we find out that nelson basically so so time stepping this all of this is happening right before diane actually met may in part one of the book so this is kind of like a little prequel to all of that so after Sandy died, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so basically one day we find out that Nelson died. Cause I think he like, was, wasn't he like, he like froze to death outside or something like yeah. that. It was like, in his truck yeah, like, I, yeah, like something like that happened. Just like some horrible accident. And so, and before he died, like he actually recommended that Diane watch this documentary about um, this trans woman who, I forgot like what the actual plot was, but basically it was like a documentary like talking about like trans issues and trans women. I think that was the story. Mm-hmm. And it's I feel like there was something about an oil rig, but it is unclear for me. Yeah. I, can't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that yeah, that was pretty much the the premise. It was like, yeah, like someone transitioning later on in life. So Diane sees May, and then like that's when, you know, obviously she went up to May and like talked to her and it was like this whole thing. After this, we find so it kind of switches back to May's perspective a little bit. Yes. Um, and at this point, basically, she gets a call from Diane, and Diane was like, "Hey, um, super want to apologize. I was right. the worst. Like, I feel like we should talk." And then May was like, "Oh my god!" And then she was like, "I mean." Fine. So Diane like comes over and it's like mad awkward. Like she's like, "Hey, so like, boop boop. Like, how's the weather?" And like May's like, (laughs) "Motherfucker, why are you in my goddamn house?" (laughs) Like it was just like she was like not with the shit. Um, it's basically Diane was kind of just saying how like yeah like she had like watched this documentary and kind of like changed her perspective and she and I mean Diane granted like she was like trying but it was like. Mm cringeworthy like she was like oh like you know like like i'm like learning about you know people like right like you and then may was like oh my girl oh my god i'm actually like may she was also, like i'm actually exhausted yeah she also was like may you should watch this documentary too and it's like n- <laughs> no <laughs> like i don't 
maybe I'll watch it just to watch it, but I don't need to watch it to educate myself about my lived uh, right <laughs> right right um, and uh, then and may actually brought up a really good point about how it she's frustrated with a lot of documentaries or like just media like this because it kind of empowers people who don't really know the nuances of other people's experiences to like ask questions or feel as though they have the license to like like it's like they think they understand people like may like trans people like may when they really it's like you bitch you watched one, one documentary, documentary yeah one Oh no, one girl. And you're sitting here making it seem like you're like an expert on <laughs> all the things. Like what? And so it was kind of like this interesting back and forth. But basically it kind of ends with the two of them sort of having the dinner together and they like more or less kind of forgive one another. So that's so that's good. We also um at this point kind of get a flashback of when May met her friends Connie and Annette for the first time. I think the way it happened was like there was a drop-in center that I think was specifically for trans people. I'm I not believe. quite sure, but I think it was. Um, and basically, Connie worked there, or like she was like handing out flyers or something. And basically, she like kind of made this like weird joke to May, calling her a white woman. And we find out at this point that like May is like mixed race. And Connie did kind of low-key come at her crazy, but like it was just like oh whatever, like lol. And then like I, I guess through time they kind of like bonded a bit. Um, right. And there was also, like, a bit around this time where, like, Annette and May, like, became friends. And, like, they would kind of... They had this interesting conversation about the trans flag. Um, I, I guess... I think it was also still outside of the the drop-in center. Yeah. And May was basically going on to say that, like, you know, the trans flag is really binary. You know, it, like, kind of reinforces these gender stereotypes around, like, you know, pink being, like, a color that represents femininity and, like, blue for masculinity. And then, like, there's, like, a white bar in the middle. And, like, it's, like, it's, like, centering whiteness and all of this. And so, basically, May was just, like, I'm not with the shit. Like, fuck this. And then Annette was, like yeah but like you know at the end of the day i mean i feel like flags are just like here to like set up territory for like colonizing and that's like kind of the point of flags and that like you know it just kind of shows where power lies and may was like um i mean i just and then like and i was just like yeah so um that's kind of just how i feel about that (laughs) it was just like oh shit (laughs) so that was wild um yeah and then, yeah, sorry if I also, sorry if I sound really, like, scattered. It's just, like, yeah, like, the book does kind of have this interesting order where it's, like, one thing happens and then it kind of goes into this. And so it's not, like, a right. clear sort of, like, oh, this and this and this and this. It kind of just, like, um, it, it fleshes everything out kind of in a order as it relates to different, like, uh, significant events. But also, like, certain, you know, things that happen on, that happen in May's life currently will kind of, like, trigger these flashbacks. Right. So, so to talk about how Sandy died. So it was, like, kind of weird but basically he like it was one it was like one day he was like in his truck and it was raining and then like well he was like back at the irrigation system like yeah something and because he started working and then he's like trying to scare off a goose or something which is it's raining and he touches an electrical fence and he gets electrocuted and he dies that yeah that is um how sandy died and the part that was interesting was that basically when he saw the goose like when he approached the fence, he, like, yelled something at the goose, and the goose, like, looked back. And, like, Sandy was like, wait, why the fuck is the goose looking at me as if it recognizes me? Right. And it was, like, this whole thing. Also, there was also another scene earlier in the book where, like, when May and Diane first, like, met, or I guess when Diane came over to May's house for dinner, the goose, there was a goose there that, like, attacked Diane low-key, but it was, like, kind of brushed over. So, like, I'm like, was that the same goose? Like, 
What? So yeah, I don't know. So basically, this goose has Loki. I think it's the same one that's been around basically since like Sandy's childhood, and it's just kind of like interesting. Is Sandy um, a goose? Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Yes, we will. So basically, so and so all the flashbacks are now pretty much done, and so now what's happening in the book is basically May gets a call from Annette saying that her friend Connie um, died, and it was like she was she was sick and she died of like an illness. And May just kind of went on this whole thing about how, like, you know, she was just really guilty because she was, like, mourning the death of Sandy and she kind of, like, low-key abandoned everybody and was just, like, in mourning. And so she, like, felt really bad that, like, basically Connie, like, she had died, like, a month ago, but she had just gotten, like, her body was just found. Mm -hmm. And so May was like, fuck, I could have, like, done something. I could have, like, you know, been there, whatever. And then Annette was like, well, you actually can't, like, blame yourself for all of this. Like, this isn't your fault. It's just, it just happened, you know? And so... May's just like really struggling. And so basically at this po- at this point she decides that she's going to pack her shit and basically just go back to the city more or less and kind of help out specifically Annette, but also just kind of like kind of go back to her life. Cause she kind of reaches a point where she's like, Okay, I've been in like Sandy's house for like a year morning with Hazel. Um <laughs> and you know, just like, doing the whole thing. And she's like, Let me like get my shit together. And so she packs and like while she's packing, she finds a so earlier in the book, I'm not I think we talked about this part one but in, in case we didn't um there was a portion before may went to the grocery store where she met diane she went to this like thrift store and she bought a lavender suitcase and so as she's packing now she's like you know obviously putting her things into into the lavender suitcase and um when she's doing that she comes across these like images that were basically Wait, of these, you like, forgot your girl dra- hazel hazel actually smells the box and then rips it over hazel plays a very oh Essential point. <laughs> no, you're actually so. How the fuck could I forget the queen? Oh my god, rewind. Okay, boom. I so boom. Basically, yeah. So Hazel actually was the relevant one in the story at this point because basically there's this there's this uh, suitcase. Hazel like rips it essentially. Like it just starts like biting it and whatever. And so it like rips open and it and it um there's like contents inside that like come out and it's these pictures of these different drag queens like back in the day in herbertsville which mind you is like a smaller town it's like a bit more conservative whatever and one of the pictures had um i think it was like the like the name nelson on the back um and so basically we kind of see here that like the same nelson that like diane was friends with that like was like welcoming to her like ostensibly had was either one of these drag queens or had a relationship with one of these drag queens because like one of the pictures had a like a note that was like to my love nelson or something like that so basically nelson's like with the girls and so yeah. like may's like oh oh shit okay fuck it up um and so <laughs> that's like an interesting kind of like thing that happens and so basically at this point um may packs hazel um a plant and then like <laughs> some items and then she like goes to diane's house and is like hey diane can you like watch my girl hazel in the like this plant and she was gonna give diane the images but she decided like not to do it for some reason um which actually would have been like interesting to kind of see how diane would have reacted but whatever anyway moving on but also maybe diane knew because like diane was always talking about how she like had all these friends that were like such queens and like lol like maybe she mm. peeped it i don't know anyway so that was kind of like a thing that was left sort of unclear which was which was interesting um and so then after that basically may kind of goes in this like multi-day journey where she's like driving and like she's like stops at different places and along the way she has these like spectral encounters with like ancestors of hers so like she like talks to for example at one point sandy who literally was just like you seem cold like here's a blanket like gave her a blanket even though it was dirty as fuck yeah may was like well thank you sandy i i a bitch actually needed this um so like (laughs) that was the thing and then sandy was just kind of talking about how like you know he like missed her and all that 
there was a bit where like Nine Eye like resurrected for like a hot like a hot second. Um, it started telling the story about like trees burning, but then like Nine Eye's like exposition was interrupted by Connie, who like kind of showed up <laughs> and like finished the story. Um, so like, which also was interesting because basically May was like, wait. Connie, like, I, I thought there was, like, a whole, like, family ancestral, like, ghost thing happening and you, like, like I'm not related to you. And then Connie was like, well, like, like family's, like, more than just blood. Like, what the fuck? And then, like, Nine I was like, wait, wasn't I? Like, and then, like, Connie just, like, interrupted. It was just like, whatever. Like, who cares? Um, so, like, basically she was like, oh, like, blood is like, like, she was like, you know, like, family can be defined in different ways, whatever, whatever. And then basically Connie goes on to say that essentially there was a story where, um, it's it's kind of like this metaphor where basically they talk about anger as like a fire, right? Mm. And it's kind of like this idea that like Connie's saying that like May is someone that just carries a lot of anger with her. And that's something that she said both in life and in death as well. And essentially she says that like the rage of May's anger is like a fire in like the woods. And like it's like the rage is it's like the fire is so passionate that it's like it like the sound of it like drowns out like you know the attempts of others to like maybe come and help or whatever it's like her anger prevents basically her ability to like connect with others Hmm. and connie's like you just have to like learn to like incite your anger when it's appropriate and like incite it like when it's beneficial but it can't be like a raging flame it can't be something that's like a perpetual existence because that's just not going to help anyone which i have feelings about but we'll get into all that Hmm. um so that's kind of what connie says and then nine is like wow like i just so like fuck me apparently like i just like i can't even tell my own granddaughter a story but okay girl right. um <laughs> also must say that like like slasher films ain't got shit on small beauty when Facts. i tell you the whole fucking cast is dead we we got goddamn bernadette nine nine goddamn mm. sandy connie i'm like who Who's is alive <laughs> like shit june might as well be dead because like no one's really heard about her since right. like page 12 i'm just like oh my god like what the fuck I was like, uh, oh yeah nelson died no, girl yeah. it's wild oh my god I, it, I was like this is worse than infidel i thought everyone died in infidel <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> oh my god like literally everyone died in infidel except for fucking grace who sucked but whatever oh That's, my like, god super grace Oh my god, fucking Grace! Like, like, can we, like, can you just like imagine like waking up and you're just like, wow, you're just like, you're just Grace. Like, I you can't. literally are just like this part. Anyway, huh? Yikes. Anywho, so basically, uh, fast forward a little bit. Um, May ends up going to like this beach area, and there's like a like a house of like boats, and so like May like breaks into the like boathouse and like grabs a canoe, and like paddles and like just like goes into the sea. And, like, while she's out, she, like, talks to Sandy. And, like, she's, like, hey, so, like, um, it, like Sandy just, like, shows up, like, on the boat, like, right. next to her. Um, oh and she's, like, hey, so, like, how's heaven? And then the, Sandy's, like, huh, I don't really know. I'm, I'm not really sure if I can even really answer that question. Which I was, like, oh, is Sandy in hell? Like, what? Right. Um, so, like, that was interesting. And then, basically, at one point, know, she was, but like. Maybe um, I don't know. Maybe it's not. I, I feel like it wasn't. It was, like, is Sandy, like, I, I don't know if Sandy's moved on yet. Like, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I think Sandy might be yeah. lingering in a lot of ways because Connie and no. Nina seem to be chatting it up and have or wherever they are in the afterlife. Just oh, yeah. chatting it up. <laughs> Connie was like, "Let me tell you what Nina told me," and Nina's like, "I told you that, but right. I wanted to tell the story myself." And Connie's like, "Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, this move over." <laughs> Jesus, right? She's like, mm, "Actually, get the fuck." Um, so like, um, so basically, yeah. So that, so that's actually, I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that because basically like Sandy did say something to the effect of that that like you know he doesn't really know it feels weird it's different but he doesn't really know I guess how to really answer that question and like you know it's interesting because it, it, like they ended up talking about Diane and he was like yeah you know for so much of my life like I just resented Diane so much because she was like so absent and like all of that um 
And, you know, I like see her now and like, she's just like a very lonely person. Like she just like is the type of person that like, you know, if she has work in a couple hours, she just sits on her staircase and she just waits for the time to pass. Like she's just very, very lonely. And like, he's like, yeah, like just with that, I just realized that like, I can't hold on to this fury anymore. And so it's kind of like an interesting parallel of like, his anger with Mays. I will say that like Sandy's is a bit more explicit like throughout the book, like how his man, how his anger manifests. Mays is a bit more, it's different, but we can mm. we, you know go into all that. Um, it's so basically at this point, Sandy rolls up and is like, "Well, I'll see you on the flip." And then Mays like, "Bet." Um, and then May like calls Annette and is like, "Hey, girl. Um, so I'm actually in the middle of the ocean because I stole a <laughs> boat." Um. I'm going to stay with you for a couple of days. Um, yeah, sounds great. And then Annette was like, okay, cool. Like, great. Right. And that's how it ended. So yeah. it was definitely, I mean, very much like a slice of life. Like, not a yes. super, like, there was like a demon in Canada. It's like, no, it's right. just people are mourning and trying Living. to figure out things. And yeah, the, yeah. these are like kind of ancestral reunions where interestingly enough like most of the main cast are it's like not even really alive um but right. hazel accounts for like five people so it's cool so <laughs> oh what air um but yes so let us take a quick break and then we will go into all of our feelings and thoughts on small beauty yes So, yes, we is. <laughs> um, so this book was really, really beautifully written. I really liked it. Oof, I thought it's, say yeah, that. it's like poetic. Again, there's like parts in this book where you like highlight it again and you're like, oh my God, that's a line. I really like how that's written. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it just feels really good. It's also like it's like we said, it's like a slice of life. So it's not particularly, it's one of those things that you're reading, you're like, hmm, hmm. And then you like keep reading. You know what I mean? It's like, it's literally like yeah. sitting in a coffee shop reading a book. Like, it's not mm. like, oh my God, you don't turn the page. And it's like, and then there are demons. Like, there are no demons. <laughs> I mean, I guess there's like internal <laughs> demons that you're fighting emotionally, but there's no like, you know. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so that was really cool. There's not like a fucking dragon in Canada. Like, right. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so that was really cool. And then what else? Um, I really liked that when I was reading the book, sometimes I felt very red, like, especially when they were talking about being angry. I was like, Ugh, I Ooh. feel like you're talking a lot about me and my feelings. And I mm-hmm. don't know how I feel about that, but I will highlight it for later. Um, real. So yeah, but I really liked it. I did think the tone and the pace really changed in the second half when it switched to Sandy's. And then oh, yeah. it, it felt a little, I, it wasn't as structured, especially since the whole beginning of the book was really from May's perspective. Um, I thought it was going to stay on May's perspective the whole time, but then it sort of switched to like Diane and like, yeah. And Bernadette. You know, and and I was and like, okay, wait, what's happening. And then it switched back to May and I was like, okay, that's interesting. But again, I was like, okay, I guess there's technically no necessary structure because it's not, it's not about structure. It's about people and their lives. So, right. So yeah. What yeah. about you? How'd you feel? I, I felt good about it. I think, yeah. I mean, definitely echoing what you said, just about the way the book was written. Like there were just so many parts where I was like, wow, this is like, so descriptive and so beautiful and like just yeah the the writing style was just like like just fucking incredible like i absolutely loved it in that sense i definitely agree with you about the second half being like the shift of perspective being a more 
it was it, it wasn't even necessarily like confusing because like you know by the end you understand everything that happened you kind of understand everyone's perspective um but i would say it was a bit more dynamic like you know reading the first half it's like you know it's like okay may's experiencing this this is may's flashback this from may's perspective like all of it even if it was like current or past like it was all from may's perspective but it like kind of switched a lot in the second half so you just kind of had to like be cognizant of what was happening because usually it would be like for example, like the whole thing with like Bernadette and Sandy talking, and then it kind of went into the whole thing with like Sandy and like how he met Diane. So yeah, it's just you just had to kind of like be on your toes a little bit. But um, I did appreciate the opportunity to kind of get to know the other characters. One thing that I do kind of wonder about is that like I mean, as a reader, obviously we know all the characters and like all their motivations that you know by the end of it. But I'm like, to what extent does May know like any of this mm. shit? Like, does she, like does she know like, or is the goal that like by the end she'll kind of have this knowledge or maybe it will be kind of like an ancestral like storytelling piece like you know maybe like as sandy and connie other people visit her like you know she kind of will put the pieces together like that's something that i kept thinking about i was like what does may know and what does may not Not know know. like Mm. honestly but i think the fact that like for example like her relationship with diane was left open it kind of like leaves room to kind of like get to know more of that so it was just yeah so I, i would say it definitely felt different but not in a way that was like what the fuck is going on or anything like that no um, no it was very clear and yeah i feel like i just i don't know i i really just liked how and again we kind of talked about this in the very beginning of the episode but i just love the theme of like ancestry and like you know people maybe passing on from this realm but like still being a part of it like i just loved like the, sort of the magical realism of like yeah sandy showing up and like you know it wasn't even like sandy would just show up and like float and like all that it was like he would actually like 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 could like I remember at one point like they were on when they were on the boat together like May like um Sandy had put his hand like over May's and like you know had like gently like tightened it and stuff like that like they were still able to kind of interact and so it was like yeah very real and I'm, I I kind of wonder to what extent that's gonna remain a thing even like as time continues like will mm. Sandy's like like presence be as strong as like time goes on like that's something that I do kind of think about but I just love that like you know Connie came back and like you know Nina is you know it it just it's nice to see that like these characters are still like influential in in a lot of ways um it's still like kind of flawed and hilarious and like it's not like you know once they die they're just like perfect it's like oh like Sandy was like yeah I don't really know how to answer some of these questions I'm like you know I still had to grapple with a lot of stuff even in death you know so it's like it's nice to see that maturation extending past you know this realm of existence as well i just i i loved to sing like I, I'm, I'm curious to see like I, you know i would love if i don't know there was like maybe like a short story of like 20 years in the future and kind of like how these things operate like you know may's relationship with like you know annette and other people in life but also mm. the kind of you know with death yeah with, with sandy and everyone in death um yeah so just I don't know. It's, it's a very low key book. It's very calm. It's very, I mean, obviously a lot of things happen, like, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's a very, like, it's like a gentle read. I feel like gentle is the only thing, yeah. like, word I can use to describe it. It's just so, like, I don't know, just from, like, the imagery to all, everything, it's just like, wow, like, I'm just, like, soothed, even though it's, like, very sad and tragic in a lot of parts. Yeah. I don't know. That's a good point. The tone is very, like, it's like if someone gave you, like, a, a snapshot of a photo on a table and you're like, I wonder, and it's like a woman walking with her dog in the woods and you're like, I wonder who this woman was and what she's thinking. It's like a snapshot, you know what I mean? Of someone's life. Mm. Um, So you don't know much about what, you get like some idea of what happened before and you get some idea of what happened after, but we're actually like very focused on this process, like this moment. Yeah. Right. So that was cool. And then, I mean, I like the ghost thing. I feel like there was very much like, 
is this a memory or is it like an illusion? Yeah, it was like light magical realism, like not too much. Just like a, you know, like a little sprinkling of magical realism. Right. <laughs> like, a, <laughs> like some seasoning of magical yeah. realism, you know? It's not to the point adobo. where you're like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, right, <laughs> come on, Adobo. <laughs> and it was just like, and it, yeah, and it wasn't distracting or weird. It wasn't like incongruent with like the tone of the rest of the book. Like Even though I would definitely say the ghosts appearances were more frequent in part two or really only i would say i think only happened specifically in part two it was still like this makes sense and like may's headspace especially the way that that was like narrated and framed throughout the first part it like made sense that like she would have these these images and these conversations um yeah i just i I loved how it's like even the writing style and like may's personality was written in a way such that like something like this yeah like made sense um, and I guess aside from like in, in part one, there was that whole piece where like she was on the floor of the bathroom and like, and, like Nine Eyes voice woke her up, but we didn't actually like see her in like spectral form until until part two. So right, 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 right. It's just interesting. It's just interesting. But um, <clears throat> but something that I definitely do want to talk about for sure is the whole piece about anger because I feel like that kind of hit both of us, and I was like, oh, oh, oh I, th- I think Connie is low key coming for both of us right. at this point. Like this is wild. Um. Because I, oh my God, I don't know. I just, I really do vacillate back and forth. Because um, the thing is, like, I mean, May, May's anger is just, like, a very appropriate response to, like, systemic violence and, like, mm-hmm. you know, the circum- the social and, like, structural circumstances under which she, like, lives. And I don't know. It's one of those things where it's, like, I can't fault someone for being angry about Things like that. And I, don't, and I don't even think that that's what Connie was trying to say or imply or anything like that. Because Connie, you know, obviously herself was also trans and, like, understood that piece as well. But it was just, like, I don't know. I think that, like, the burden of having to, like, live in a society that's infuriating, right? But, like, tailor your anger in a way where it's, like, not too personally taxing. It's just, like, that's such a tightrope of, like, how do you even yeah do that? Like, how do you not be angry about stuff? that like it's just fucked up like may went through some shit in her life that i'm like yeah like i would be plenty angry if like you know i had these experiences that that happened to me and like it's just and there's no guarantee of safety Mm. and like you know it's just there's so many different things where it's like i i totally understand why someone carries that um and i can relate to that in a lot of ways and it's just like like like, i don't i don't know but at the same time it's like yeah but you do have to to a certain extent care for yourself and like look after your emotional well-being because like if it's so passionate that it just like costs you you know your emotional mental health and like that's i don't know it's just it's it's such a and and like i don't want to get to the point where it's like you know we're like minimizing people's experiences and like almost gaslighting them it's i don't know i had a lot of feelings about that because i feel like I i think a lot about when people like tone police other people like i've had a lot of um, experiences where like you know people will be talking about their own personal experience or shit maybe I'm talking about my own personal experience you know obviously people get passionate when they talk about things that relate to them and especially when they're confronted with like ignorance or whatever like it makes sense for people to get if not angry definitely passionate and like mm. people being like oh well like I like that message but just like the way you said it you're just like kind of angry like I don't know you're just so angry and I just like just so angry and I'm just like or you could just listen to the words that people are saying and like be grateful that people are even willing to have this conversation with you and like not just stop at the fact that people are angry and that makes you uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like that's like, uh, I don't know. It was just, it was so, so much, but, but what did you think? Akko? Yeah. Well, first I was, when she's, when Connie was like, Amaze really angry. I was like, where? 
truly i was like what i don't bury that also i was like when is may i mean she i guess i was trying to think she was like she was critical of the trans flag i I guess it didn't really even that part it was it was just like a eloquently stated like irritation and and like critique i was like that okay i'm just not seeing where in this book may is so enraged that it like affects her day or her life. I don't know. I, I was like, I'm confused. Right. Um, I do think if, assuming that she she was and that's part of the story, I, I, I do think their anger is something that you have to be careful of. A, a lot of times they say in the book Connie and Sandy, it's like it, you have to be careful that it doesn't consume you. And I, I think that's, mm. that uh, that is a point that I think is real and honest because the world and I think it's part of my quote, but I think, what does Connie say? Connie says, the world's not going to stop being terrible. And I think that's what it is. Like you're sitting there hoping that the world mm-hmm. will some somehow in some way just be just. And I think a lot of times I sit there and I think, well, there's only the justice that we make. You know what I mean? Um, and and, Ooh, and I think, yeah, I think it's it's a hard truth, but it's a real truth. And you can't. I have been very angry in my life too. Like I've been very, very mad about things and I've struggled with things. And I I have wondered what you do with the hatred you've been given um, when it's not yours or even if it is. And I I don't think hatred that you've been given necessarily even just comes from being marginalized, right? It can come from neglect. It can come from your parents. It can come from society, whatever. Mm. The hate you've been given is, is, is something and that anger that it leaves you with is something we all have to, we all have to deal with. And I think it hits harder when you're in a marginalized group or multiple marginalized groups. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I, I you ha, you do. I, I think once I was projecting about my life and I was like, oh, if I get to 90 and I don't do the things I wanted to, no one will take responsibility for it. Like there's you can yell at at the oppressor for 10,000 years. And the whole point of being right. the oppressor is that you don't have to care. Um, and what you do mm. with that, what you, what you do with that is it's yours to do with. It's not fair. You know, it's not great. <laughs> it's not, I don't like it. Right. But it is, I think that's what Connie's point is. And I think for someone who's older, because she says that Connie's maybe 10, 20, she's not sure, but she's a bit older than her. I, I yeah. think that's a hard truth that you learn later. I have not learned that truth. <laughs> I am merely positing that we might learn that truth <laughs> in the future. I'm st- I, I still find myself... Um, you know, struggling with being mad about, about things. But, um, I, I think that is true at a certain point in your life, things, maybe your perspective changes and, and what you value shifts and, and how much, and how little time you have, you know what I mean? And how, mm. how much you can spend it on, you know, like directing it towards something else, directing it towards the people you care about. Because even May at the, at the end has to struggle with like, okay, I was here instead of with Connie. And it, maybe that's it. You know, it's like, what do I risk by caring so much about these people who never care about me when I could be spending Oof. my energy on people investing in communities and people who I want to help? Mm. I don't know. I don't have an answer to that question. I, I Again, I didn't even I didn't even think May was mad in this story. So I literally, again, it was like the goose. And I flipped <laughs> back and forth like, did I miss a whole chunk of the story? Right. Because, <laughs> yeah, but, but that's my thinking. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that like, May's a very analytical person. She like has criticisms for society in, in a way that I think a lot of us do. And 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like May wasn't like I mean Sandy was like Yeah. Definitely. I mean, <laughs> at least like like overtly, like just like mad as fuck. It's right. like, okay, this is Sandy, that makes sense. But May was just kinda like, I mean, you I mean, I'm sure you are angry about certain things, but like it's not like so unruly that it's just like taking over everything. But that is such a good point. And I think that like it's it's hard because it's like like the way you phrase that is like, yeah, like you can spend so much time like that's it, that's the fucked up part about all of it. It's like it's like society and the oppressor gives you so much to be angry about mm-hmm. and like is there's not even like a like a finite solution it's like these are just such ingrained things that you just are gonna ha- you just have to deal with shit for like your whole fucking life yeah. and it's just like there are so many reasons to be angry but yeah it's just it's like but then at the end of the day you have to look at the fact that like that can manifest in sort of like again throwing all of your energy towards I I I like don't even know how to finish the sentence because it's just like it's like I don't want to breed like this idea of like complacency or like oh girl things are just the way they are and like you know whatever but like you do have to take care of yourself in that process. I think there's a way to you know desire change and fight for change and be critical of society and all of that while also like you said kind of centering your own well being and like looking at what you want your life to be like outside of these oppressive structures like just like also- trying to. Yeah, but also like, and I not not just that like, but directing the, your force towards something that you can like, you know. What I mean, I I don't even mean ignore or pretend. You know, I I don't even mean that. I I like it's kind of like they were saying right. with the lightning strike, where it's like, and anger is something that you use to break through something. That's what I mean. Like, if you're gonna sit in all this rage, um, like use it as direct it like direct your energy so that it becomes like a tool to Mm. be used i think that's what it is because you can get so like a fire right that rages just destroys everything but like a fire that you've created to like burn brush bush brush brush so you can play brush (laughs) (laughs) so you can plant anew because the ash nurtures the soil like that's a very directed burning and i I think that's what they mean like you can't Mm. don't just let it consume you to the point that you 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 can't do anything but rage is something it should inform you once it's informed you it should move you to do something there's something audrey lord writes about this like like I, I, I'm not, read Audrey Lord. I'm not going to try to quote Audrey Lord and try to do it justice. <laughs> like, I'm one person. Fair. <laughs> but like, right. um, but yeah, it's, I think it's a matter of taking it and moving forward with it, forward with it instead of, um, it, it kind of like Sandy, like Sandy is angry and Sandy, I, I think is a good example of, of it consumes him. Like it, it really, really to the point that he beats up someone who didn't, we do not know why this right. man's shoulder was dis- dislocated and he didn't have fingers, but arguably he already had a hard day before Sandy rolled up. Right. <laughs> like, and and he wasn't responsible for whatever Sandy thought he was responsible for. And nor did May right. ask ask Sandy to, to, to do that. But the anger was so and consuming and, and Sandy could have been using that anger in a different way, in a way that showed love to May and, and whoever he wanted. And Hazel, you know is buddy hazel hazel <laughs> in a way that was it was more constructive or more that didn't consume him you know and i i think that's what mm-hmm. connie was saying but i don't know you can read the yeah. book and see what <laughs> y'all can see what you yeah want. oh absolutely yeah it's, it's a really interesting discussion and it's something that i do i personally just really struggle with um it's definitely something that i am trying to figure out how to how to manifest in my own life um yeah, that that 
like like that not balance. not to say that like just experiencing rage is useless like i'm not gonna say no. like oh like just make it useful but it's like yeah just finding that balance and directing it intentionally it's like how do i take this rage and like channel it into something that like makes sense for me um yeah, just a, just, just a little interesting, interesting uh, bit there. But something that, I, just pivoting a little bit, um, something that I do definitely want to talk about is this motherfucking goose. What, like, what is this goose? Because, like, basically, okay, so aside from, you know, the whole situation with, like, Sandy in the bedroom and then, like, when the goose attacked Diane, before, like, May took Hazel oh and, like, you know, the plant <laughs> and, like, you know, all these other shit to, like, Diane's house. Um, the goose, like, showed up and, like, looked at her weird. And then, like, you know, the goose obviously was the like, catalyst to, like, Sandy getting electrocuted. It's just, I, it, this goose is just, like, around. And I'm like, is it the same goddamn goose? Like, what is happening? And it's also interesting because I remember there was a passage, I forget where, I think, I'm pretty sure it was in part two, where, like, they like there was like a flock of geese like it was like may oh, observe yeah. like there was a flock of geese flying and then there was one that was like behind but then like joined them at the very end and so it's just i don't know it's like it this symbolism of like a flock and this like goose by itself that like is relevant but also kind of chaotic and like low-key shady like i just I, I like i don't know what the metaphor is i guess um i'm still trying to figure that out but yeah i just i mean if i had to like just guess i mean the goose, it just, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like, it seems like almost like a reminder. It's like this, like this object of like reminding characters of certain things or just like, it, it it's almost like a relic of the past. It's like, like, for example, like when the goose showed up and like attacked Diane, like, was that somehow like, you know, a response to her relationship with Bernadette or her relationship with Sandy? Like, what was that all about? Or even just like, you know, when the goose recognized, like when the goose recognized Sandy before he, he died, it's like, why, like what is this goose like responding to or like right. why is this goose even so like interwoven into like the specific family dynamic it's right. just like what the fuck like i'm so confused like i'm like i yeah it's it's such an interesting symbol and i like i don't know it's like it's something i'm still trying to figure out but what what do you think i don't i have no answers for you i do not know entirely that's fair. The point of the goose. But I, because I, I was reading it at first, I was like, okay, so Sandy is intrinsically tied to this goose because Nine I, when she like floated into the room and floated out again and was like, this is your burden. And you're like, okay, Nine <laughs> I, like, I feel and like. she like dematerialized. Right. <laughs> <just look> crazy. <laughs> you're like, I feel like you're still here and you could have explained that. And she just like was like, nope, not today. I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm not really sure. I know at that point that they're now linked him and the goose and so when he uh, like yells at the goose i guess that's i I got questions i i I do (laughs) think it is like a sense of sandy not being settled like even in in life and in death is like never settled like maybe it's like his spirit kind of remaining and like you know what i mean and like protecting the house and not having peace Mm. and being angry and then at the end when he like when the goose which i maybe is him i don't know if, if like joins the crowd again it's like that kind of because sandy was also lonely like sandy was also alone in this house and mm. you know struggling with a lot and not really able to re he didn't really trust society i mean for good reason like sandy and may both have their reasons for not wanting to be part of whatever but um but maybe that was it maybe it was him finding peace but i truly truly do not know you know, um, yes. that is fair. <laughs> that is fair. Um, I wanted to ask, though, what about Diane and her storyline? I thought that it was really interesting because at first I was like, Diane, like, 
yo, you didn't visit Bernadette when she was ill? Like, that's crazy. And I was like, also, I mean, you kind of left Sandy. That's rough. But then you hear her story and you're like, ooh. And then you're even like, I can even see why later it would be very difficult to come back to that house. Like, even after all of that, it's just, I think it's easier to be critical of life until you've lived it. And you've had to deal with those decisions and mm. what they mean. And then they're a little more weighty. You know what I mean? And I, you you have no heaven or hell for anyone because you're just like, well, you can have heaven or hell for some people. But, the, you know, I mean, it, people's reason, everything is not that clear and comp- it's it's complicated and it's hard. And and Sandy's reaction makes sense. And Diane's reaction makes sense. Like that just they just do. And it's yeah. just sad that things had to fall apart like that. But it's not like something mm. that you can say someone was right or necessarily wrong for. It was just it was just complicated. And I think that's something exactly. I didn't like I said early in part one, I, I that's not something I understood at 15. I think I understand it a little more now. I'll probably understand it even more in 10 years um well yeah so i i thought that was interesting i i think i mean you could probably still be pretty pretty critical of diane's choices but you know it's mm-hmm. yeah i think there's a lot there what up what would yeah. you think yeah i think diane I, I i agree with a lot of that and it's funny because even when um bernadette was dying and she was calling basically she was calling diane to come visit her and Diane wasn't really responding. And then after a while, Bernadette just stopped getting in touch. And so then Diane started calling, but then Bernadette wasn't answering. And it was this whole thing. So she never saw her before she died. And from Diane's perspective, it was kind of like she just didn't really know how to even go about it. Like she was mm. so frozen in like indecision because she was like, you're dying. And I like, you know, throughout our whole lives, like, you know, or at least for like a lot of our adult lives, like, you know, I was kind of in and out. Like, I know I wasn't the best figure in your life. Like I caused a lot of chaos. It's, it's, it's like this moment of like seeing Bernadette at her most vulnerable. I think for Diane, it was just like too much. Yeah. Like it wasn't even that she didn't want to see Bernadette, but she was just like, I would just really have to be confronted with like everything, the decisions that I made, which like, as you said, weren't necessarily, I mean, you can definitely, you can absolutely be critical of Diane's actions, but it was it's not cut and dry as like, oh, you know, Diane didn't give a fuck. Diane was just like, whatever. Like, she didn't give... You know, like, it's like... There were a lot of just layers to everything. But it's just having to yeah. see Bernadette and having to see Sandy. It's just... It's like, oh, my God. Like, I really have to, like, confront who I... Who, who I am and, like, who I was and how I treated these people. people. And it's just... Yeah. It, it's... It, it kind of... I like that perspective of, like... Like, that just humanizing... Diane because it was so easy at first before that to be like yo Diane like kind of blows like oh my god but like it's like you see this and you're like wait actually yeah yeah (laughs) I was like yo Diane and Grace like literally twins like what um but then I'm like wait but actually I mean Grace still sucks but like Diane is like complicated like it's like she's just and even like her whole thing with May even though she like I mean she did not handle May's gender well in the slightest at first but it's like even this is like, you know, seeing May as like this sort of source of atonement and like this ability to like, you know, well, like Bernadette is gone mm. and Sandy is gone and like all these people are gone, but like May is still here. So like maybe I could still like do something, right? Some wrongs, you know, it's just, and even then I, I feel right. like that kind of brings up a question of like, is that fair to May that like May is now this like symbol for your own personal atonement? Like, is that really May's mm. role in this? Like, why is she being co-opted into like this thing for you you know to like kind of get over your own actions that had honestly like or at least explicitly or directly nothing to do with may but that aside 
I do think it's just like Diane. You see that Diane's like trying. She's like trying, but it's just like she just I don't know. And then it kind of brings up a question of like, you know, Bernadette died, and it's like Diane's just like like devastatingly lonely at this point. It's yeah. just. I, think, I don't know. This book again, like part one. This just this, this is kind of just like a grim episode. And like, right. We, this is we just should sad. read. We, girl, we need to read Barney for like our next <laughs> fucking book because oh my god, like shit. But um, yeah, it's just Diane. Yeah, she's she's a very very complex Person. character, and I, I'm just glad that she was fleshed out in a way that was like okay, I I understand your motivations. I don't agree with a lot of the shit that you did, but I know why you did it, and I can kind of yeah. understand and sympathize with some of the things too. Mm, so. I, I agree and you're you're right and it's 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 like people again a younger me was like adults are just dumb just do the right thing just be happy <laughs> and it's like I, I i think the point of books is to like warn you that the not warn you well warn you sometimes but also just to tell you like that's that if life has a lot of flavors and it has a lot of tastes mm. and, and not all of them are sweet and life isn't Oof. just sweet, you know. It's very complicated, and it doesn't fit correctly. And and the people you and also like, it does make you think like like. It, it, this goes to like how much time can you spend on something, right? Because if people are dying mm. in this book, the death count is high and quick, and I'm like, whoa, ice. But <laughs> but if that's the case, <laughs> it, it is the case actually that people disappear from our lives so quickly, and and people like, can we afford to waste our time on 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 things that do not serve us? Like, can I afford Ooh. to waste my time on this when I need to be with you? A and I, I don't know what that mm. means because then I think people will take that to me like, oh, I can't be nice to people because I need to spend all my time with my love. Okay, uh, you yeah, know, chill. All right, you aren't doing anything today, John. Right. Like, you could hold the door open or like, I don't know, help that old lady cross the street. You're good. But, I, but uh, even that, like, h how do I want to live? Because I will not live forever. You know what I mean? And my life will be made up of my actions. And then what? You know what I mean? It makes you, it, it does make right. you, I think the randomness of the deaths did make you have to stop and think. Like these aren't, these aren't like, Sandy, like it would have been more of a story if like Sandy had died trying to protect me and like beating someone up. And then we've been like, oh, that makes sense. Like that's a trope. You know what I mean? Like that, right. his actions at the beginning came back to haunt him in the end, but they didn't. Like that's not what happened. He died randomly. Right. Connie died randomly. All these people just, and that's mm -hmm. life. People just pass. That just happens. And it makes you, right. it makes you, the, the randomness of it is like, okay, so then how am I going to live? Because I actually don't have all the time in the world. And I, I, I think Oof. that's, there's some underlying sense here. But then also I feel like they treat mm. death very more like a transition and less of a judgmental thing. Like you're alive mm. and now you're not alive. And it's just different from being alive, whatever that means. Right. I like right. started to think about it while I was reading and I was like, I'm going to watch television now <laughs> because <laughs> this makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> right. Which probably says That's, a lot about I'm, me. Mm. no but that's real and, and i i that is something that i really appreciate about the book because i feel like that's always how i've seen death or at least like in my adult life like it, mm. it never i don't know like i this might sound kind of morbid but it doesn't like death doesn't like terrify me as like a concept like i'm just like i mean literally like so many hoes have died like honestly can it be that bad one and then two it's just like i think I, like i think of it yeah like as like a transition and just into like another form of 
existing and maybe that just gets into like a you know another conversation about like my own sort of views on spirituality and Mm. things like that but i like it being framed as just like you know in this realm what we call alive you know we know sort of the principles and the rules and we you know we have concepts and ideas and patterns that we notice and internalize through time but you know maybe mm. when we die it just like it's shifts yeah. maybe it's not just like you know everything just ends but it's just like it's just different and we can't recognize it now you know we can't really or maybe we can't even fathom it now but when it happens it'll kind of maybe be like a sandy and it's like maybe at first it's like kind of weird but like you kind of find your groove and like you know maybe sometimes you can tap dance between the two realms and like i don't know it's just it's it's i like a, i like thinking about death more in that perspective because it just makes it seem and it just makes it seem more like okay, there's like there's purpose here because like mm. if it's just like we just die and that's just it and it's just over, and like nothing is it's like everything's just like super inconsequential like nothing matters. Then I'm like, I, I don't know. I just feel like that for me and maybe that's just like my uh, like you know a belief system that caters to you know the goals that I set for myself and the life that I want to lead. Mm. Um, but I don't know. To me, like just to think that like everything just and again, I, I I'm not attacking anyone's belief system or like you know whatever people believe. But just for me, I think it serves me to think of death as more of a transition than like an end because it just that just motivates me kind of in the same way that you mentioned it, in the sense of like, okay, well like time is limited. You know, I mean? like we're like mm. all like you know we might have gotten a rose this morning. You, but- know, you know, like you know we made it to the next <laughs> round of the competition, girl. <laughs> But we we gonna be in the bottom two one week, and you know we might have right. to lip sync, and we might get we might lose, you know, like we're all going to lose at some mm. point, right? We can't do this shit forever. So it's like, how do we, like, what's I don't know, what do I want? Like, like I guess my like montage of memories and all that before I'm sent home. Like, what do I want that to look like? Right. Like, you know, like I, I I'm making these ridiculous reality TV show references, but y- you know what I'm saying? Yeah, um, exactly. So I like, so yeah. but I like um, your I. I don't have as like you have a very um what's it called tranquil like um relationship with death. I I I don't know if I'm so I I think death scares me. I think it does. I I mm. can't lie and be so like I I just can't say that. But I like your way of it, and I think I will try to think about it with that level of, you know, like lack of fear not lack of fear, but but like you have a good mm. relationship with it, and I want to 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 be more at peace with it in the way you are um yeah thank you thank you wow so this episode is a lot so (laughs) 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 bro i'm telling you we're reading barney next week girl or we're reading like the naruto (laughs) comics we we just need to read like the most like just jovial shit Mm. okay so now that we've depressed everybody with our feelings about life and death, we're going to give you our quotes and then we're going to, um, we're going to wrap up for today. Um, Sounds so, good. <laughs> um, so I had a lot of things that I liked, but I think I really liked the part that like got me to stop and, and think um, there are two. The first one was when Connie is talking to May and she says, May, the world is not going to stop being a hard place to live in. And I think I just needed to hear that because mm. I, I think sometimes I'm just like, well, what if they just stopped being so difficult? And you're like, that's not the nature of being alive in this reality. That's just not how it is. It's a very growing up moment. Mm. And I didn't want to hear it. But I, I mean, the book said what it said. So, And then the next one <laughs> I liked was, <laughs> um, I just liked how this sounds. So um, I, I kind of like this because now I can g- give the listener like kind of some of the really beautiful ways this book is written. But um, it goes, the rain finishes. Starlight refracts through static water drops on glass. 
They are warped pieces of ancient light, catching her unable to sleep, kept up by memory. And I'm like, ooh. Uh, uh. Mm. What about you? Yes. Cosign all of that. Mm. There, my my quote kind of has, um, basically it's around the end of the book where um, May and Sandy are talking about Aunt Bernadette and Diane's relationship. Um, and there's like a little paragraph that just, I don't know, I just like, it just made me stop. And I was like, I... And I think I'll, I'll read the quote and then I'll kind of go into why why I liked it. Mm. But basically, so to put it in context, essentially right now at the beginning of the paragraph, they're talking about Aunt Bernadette. So it so it reads, and this is this is Sandy speaking at the very beginning. Mm. She was afraid, May. I don't know of what. Something she never told me. Be careful with Diane. She's well. She's not always reliable. He leans closer to her in the blue black light. But you know what? I forgive her for being such a crap support to my mother. And me, I suppose it's easier, mind you, uh, now that things have changed. Sandy smiles, sadly. It's like a stone, anger, a grudge. You're supposed to use it to break through something, then let it go. Like a, like a, like a thunderstorm, May offers? Yeah, just like that. I was looking for... I was looking for a more poetic kind of word, he shrugs, and then it kind of just go, kind of goes on from there. But just, like, that moment of, like, Sandy saying, like, you know, this is just something that's supposed to, like, strike through something, and then that's it, and, like, him forgiving Diane. But more than that, just, like, I think Di- like I think May and Sandy just have a relationship, like, a closeness that is so beautiful that I just, yeah. I just, I think it's so, it's often in media reserved for like romantic relationships, but the two of them, you know, they're cousins. They're not even like mm. blood siblings, they're cousins. And they just have such a closeness and like, I don't know, even just like the fact that May finished like Sandy's sentence and just, I don't know. It's just like, I, I love their relationship so much. Yeah, it's, it's just, love. and granted it's not perfect, right? But it's just, it's just, I love the way that love is is demonstrated and kind of shown between the two of them. So, so that's my quotes. Yeah. We obviously really appreciate you all listening. We know this episode was a little bit on the heavier side, um, but... Good heavy. Good heavy, right. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, you know, we have a Twitter at The Colored Pages. We also have an email at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com, as well as a website at thesecoloredpages.com. Um, also, you know, if you want to leave us a little comment or review or anything like that on apple Podcasts that really helps us a lot to kind of you know increase our visibility and things of that nature so any sort of commentary ratings things of that nature super duper appreciated i just want to point out that Um, hazel leaves um reviews (laughs) (laughs) so like i mean just i mean and we all know that Hazel, I mean, one. is just perpetually in first place. Like, yeah. hey, like, just, my, like, like, she just <laughs> is lit. So if you want to get, like, Hazel, then please leave a review. I, that's literally, bro, I feel like that's going to be a segment. Like, let's just, like, call it, can we just call it, the, like, the Hazel Book Club? Like, honestly, like, and just, like, sing it every time. Um, I, we... We 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 gotta we gotta make that a thing, I'm but uh, sure we can talk about that shit offline. But yes, so many ways of getting in touch with us. Thank you all so much again, mm. Akko. Are there any things you want to leave our listeners with before we head out? No, I think that I just want to remind everyone that until we see you again, just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.